I'm glad you guys are here today. Thank you so much for being here. Let's talk about Freddie Freeman. No, it's okay now, right? It's enough time to talk about. If you don't know who Freddie Freeman is, first of all, if you do know who he is, just raise your hand. You know who Freddie Freeman is? Most everybody does. Okay, if you don't, it, it's a sports analogy, and we're, we're notorious for doing that. Not everybody gets it. Freddie Freeman played for the Atlanta Braves 15 years, I think it was. He was, he was there in the lean times when the Braves were struggling. And just last fall, certainly you probably know this, the Braves won the World Series. You know, it was a big deal. Freddie Freeman was a part of that team. And, uh, and we just thought, give him all the money he wants, right? This, let him retire an Atlanta Brave. He started with the Braves, let him retire an Atlanta Brave. And it didn't quite work out that way, right? He was offered a contract. Now, get these numbers, guys. See if this is how the world you live in. Five years. Well, he had just had to play for five years for $140 million. Does that sound like enough? <laughs> 28 million, I think, 28 million dollars a year, and he didn't sign it. Freddie, you didn't sign the contract. What gives, right? Isn't that enough? And uh, and I don't want to make Freddie Freeman out to be a greedy guy. He's probably a great guy. I don't know him, but I wanted to see him here, and I think he wanted one more year on his contract, and that would have been another whatever 170 million dollars, and. So the Braves didn't, they didn't rehire, they didn't re-sign him. And instead, while he's still waiting on his contract, they go and, and get a, a trade for another player, another first baseman. And so Freddie knew hey, it's not going to work out for me. And so he had to, he had to go to the evil Los Angeles Dodgers <laughs> who are in scripture, I think as the, the spawn of Satan. So <laughs> you look it up, look it up. Don't take my word for it. But here, one of the sports commentators, one of the writer, sports writers said, Freddie got greedy. And I can't, I can't say that, but that guy did. And so we're going to go with that today. Maybe, maybe Freddie got, got greedy. And look, Freddie Freeman's not alone. It, this is, you look at all the huge contract negotiations that happen for sports stars or actors, the big business deals. It's not hard to spot obvious greed that is alive and well in America. If you watch Netflix or any of the latest TikTok trends, or if you listen to popular music, you'll know immediately that greed is just a normal part of our society. Matter of fact, uh, we had a high school graduation and if this is your kid, I apologize in advance for using him as an example, but he graduated, he goes across the stage, and all kids do something silly every now and then. Some kid pulled out a stack of $100 bills. They're called a brick, if you really want to know, like the, the kid's term. He pulled a brick of $100 bills out like this, puts it up to his ear as he's walking across the platform. And I thought, first of all, that's silly, but that's normal. That's normal for, for now, like, look at popular music. Look, watch, watch music videos, like money, money, money. It's, it's just part of, man, the air that we breathe in. All right, so, but here's the thing. Even non-believers, you guys who, who maybe don't believe yet, that kind of obvious greed, we all pick up on it. We all see it. And maybe even you had this experience. And now, uh, you ever, like, most of you are probably on social media or you have neighbors or something, you get the new grill, right? You got the new Blackstone slash green egg with the side, you know, stuff on it. And all oh, it's like, man, look at this thing. You take a picture of it. There, I got the grill, guys. I'm not showing off. I'm just saying I got it, you know, in case you want to come over, whatever. 
And then your friend gets it. Your friend gets one. You're like, hey, man, I got, I got the thing. What are you doing with this thing? Right? Do you ever feel that a little bit? Like, oh, man, that was my deal. Or you don't have the grill. He got the grill. Do you think, man, I sure do want that grill. He's not going to invite me over, but man, I want that grill. Now, that may be closer to, to coveting or envy, which is the 10th commandment, by the way. We're not even talking about one of the 10 today, but that's the evil twin to greed. So whether it's Freddie Freeman, LeBron James, Tom Brady, Kim Kardashian, Johnny Depp, he's been in the news, Donald Trump, Jeff Bezos, The Weeknd, Taylor Swift, it doesn't matter. We celebrate celebrity. And often it's easy to see their pride and their greed and their lusts. It's easy to see when the rich people have it, the popular people have it. And I just want to posit to you today that our cultural ethos is so strong in America that we don't even see our own sins, particularly those that we celebrate like pride, greed, lust. Now, your ethos, I like to use that word a lot, so I just want to explain it right quick. Ethos is like the spirit of the culture, the spirit of the culture. So in America, the, the spirit of the culture or our ethos is individual li liberty and freedom. It's, it's free market capitalism, right? That's good stuff, right? It, but that creates consumerism, and that breeds celebrity and the desire for money and stuff. And, I, and we just want to be entertained by all those things and watch all of it and participate in it and hope one day that we have just a small portion of it. That is the ethos or the spirit in which we breathe every day. And when you breathe that every day, it makes it hard to notice when you fall prey to it. So here's an example. Um, if I were to ask you today, do you feel prideful? Do you feel greedy? Do you feel lustful? You'd probably go, mm, no, what, what do you mean? No, I don't, mm -mm. And, and maybe that's exactly it. It's like the old saying, you don't ask a fish what it's like to be wet, right? Or, or you don't ask a fish um, to explain water because he has no idea. He's been in water all his life, right? He's always been wet. He's always been in water. He can't describe water to you. He doesn't even know what you're talking about. And I go, what? Water? And so I, I just, I think that maybe is what it's like for us today. We're all swimming in an ocean of greed where greed is celebrated. Consumerism is the norm. Half of our TV shows and YouTube videos are now covered with advertisements telling us that we need more. We need the new thing. And whatever you have, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. And it's never enough. Social media screams at us. Now even our social media has advertisements, right? Like, I, I like goofy socks, right? Part of what I do. I like goofy socks. I can't scroll Facebook without 20 ads for goofy socks. I must have ordered socks online one time, or maybe I've clicked too many likes of socks. I don't know. But there's some algorithm out there that says, Trey, you need more socks. And you know what I think? I do. <laughs> you do too. We all need more goofy socks. Like, that's what the world needs. That's the air we breathe. That's the cultural ethos that we live in. And so we can't even recognize anymore when we're prideful or greedy or lustful. It's like looking into a funhouse mirror. We have one of these out front if you want to go check it out. In a funhouse mirror, those wavy mirrors, you know, you look at yourself. You know that's you. You see your reflection. But you're like, that's not what I really look like. 
And then you see those big funhouse mirrors that make you real fat, and you're like, that's probably really what I look like. You know, or the ones that make you look t- real tiny. But the thing is, those, those mirrors are, are kind of like the twistedness, the twistedness of our heart. And what we need as believers, look, if you're a believer here today, I'm, I'm telling you too, Jesus will be teaching us this in just a minute. We need the church, the Word of God, Jesus' teachings to us. We need each other to help us see clearly, right? Because we're twisted. And we need to see clearly how did God originally intend us to look? And not just physically, but how did He intend for our hearts to look? Why are they so twisted? We need each other to help each other out, to give us that mirror, not the twisted one, but the other one to go, look, here's what Jesus says. Here's who he says you are. You're created in his image, in the image of God. And you can, with him, you can look like that again. So today we're going to be looking at greed. Uh, Thank you for being here today for that. You didn't notice what you're getting into probably. But if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, that's where we're going to hear from uh, Jesus and what he's teaching. And now for a few of you, go ahead and just get it out there. You're going, can I go now? Can I just leave? I don't, I don't struggle with greed. I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe this is for the 1%, but not me. So can I just go? We, we say things like, um, you'd have to be rich to be greedy. I'm not rich. You'd have to have a bunch of stuff. And I don't have a bunch of stuff. Or maybe we use, use, phrases, use phrases like this. I mean, I deserve this. I've worked hard. I've worked hard, I've got this stuff, and I deserve it. I, I needed it. I needed that new black stone. Can you guys hear that I'm a little, I want a black stone. Or we say things like this, I just wanted to be prepared. I want to put some stuff away so that I'll, I can be prepared, so I can be comfortable. We like comfort. We might even say things like this, I give to the church, I give to those in need. Automatically, that makes me not greedy, Right? And I just want to explain to us today and maybe encourage you and I to see, because I am the most guilty, right? I'm the chief of all greedy sinners when it comes to this. So they got a content expert today to talk to you about greed. And if I make it through without weeping, it'll be a miracle because it is that convicting to me because I know the world that I live in and the air that I breathe and the greed that I swim in. And then when I realized and f- put face to face with it, with Jesus's teachings, and that's when I go, woe is me. What a wretched man am I? I need Jesus. You need Jesus. And we need him to help us. We need his teaching to show us. We all need to hear it. So would you just go with me on this journey today for the next 20 minutes? And let's just dig in a little bit. Because here's the thing. (laughs) Jesus, he never warns anyone in his teaching. Paul never warns anyone in his teaching. Be careful if you're poor. Be real careful. You might not make it in. Never a warning about being poor and not make it in in heaven. However, the warnings to those who have more than enough Right? Just, just more than enough. You can call it rich. You can call it what? The warnings to the people who have more than enough are filled in the New Testament teachings of Jesus and Paul. There are warnings everywhere. 
How difficult it is, is it for a rich man to enter heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And you can break that down into an analogy or metaphor or whatever you want to. Jesus taught it for a reason, did he not? So that we would take heed, so we would listen, so we'd beware and try to see these things in our life or use the church and his word and our fellow believers to help us see these things. All right, so greed, just what is it? It's an intense, selfish desire for something. An intense, selfish, it's about me, desire for something. And it could cover a lot of things. And just in case anyone here is not, not a believer, I just want to give you some non-religious sociologists who also recognize our penchant for greed. They call it greed. They recognize it is what it is. Uh, according to a 2016 study by Manfred Ketz de Vries, I think is his name, uh, for NSAID Leadership Institute, he found that uncontrolled greed is like an addiction. Just like being addicted to drugs, to sex, to food, to gambling, he found that if greed left unchecked, no one there to give you the mirror, it leads to dysfunction. It, it can be, cause you to be unethical, immoral, even criminal. He also addressed the fact that most people, a non-religious sociologist, found that most people do not believe they're greedy. And so he gave us a description of what greed can look like. Here's seven signs uh, that you're greedy. Seven signs. Ready? These are fun. You're going to love it. All right. You're overly self-confident, overly self-centered, rather. You're overly self-centered. You think about you and what your needs are first and foremost all the time, and you, and you want all the time. So you think of yourself first all the time, self-centered. Number two, uh, you're envious of others. We talked about that, uh, envious of their life, their stuff, their, you know, what it looks like on Instagram. Uh, number three, another sign that you're greedy is that you lack empathy, empathy, it's hard for you to feel what another person feels. And that's a sign of greed. Oh, that could also be you're too cynical, right? Everyone has seen the guy at the side of the, you know, you pull off the exit, the interstate, and there's the guy with the sign, you know, I just need a few bucks or whatever. Some of you immediately go, oh yeah, whatever I got, man. Yeah, that's great. M most of you or most of me lacks the empathy and too cynical. I don't want to make eye contact because that's easier, truthfully, right? Like if I just don't make eye contact. Because what do we, th people like me, sorry, not you, but people like me, here's what I think. This is a scam. This guy, he's probably driving a BMW. You know, he's just doing this. This is his job. And then I would ask, no one comes to your job and goes, you're just doing that to get money. Well, of course you are. <laughs> anyway, the point is, we can lack empathy. We don't feel what that person feels or we're too cynical and that, that's me. Number four, a sign that you're greedy is you're never satisfied. You, you always want the new thing. You, you think you deserve it. Uh, number five, a, a sign of your greedy is you manipulate to get what you want. You just you use some tricks here and there. You convince somebody that, you know, hey, we got a, a good tax refund. Why don't, uh, hey, why don't you go get that thing that you wanted? So I can go get that thing that I wanted. Uh, it's a little manipulation game. You know it. You laugh because you know. Number six, uh, we live in the short run. We li we're thinking about tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, and so then it's easy to incur debt because I want this thing now, I want this thing now, and not think about the implications in the future. And then lastly, number seven is just sometimes we just don't know any limits, right? We don't know any limits. You look for loopholes, um, any kind of break on your taxes. You'll do a cash deal to kind of get the thing, you know, and I, I, that's up. Your conscience on you, whatever, Holy Spirit. I'm just saying 
it could be a sign. It could point to something different. And my point is today is that we're not created, the image of God, we're not created to be greedy. That wasn't God's original design. Greed is a result of the fall. And since Adam and Eve, our first parents, first sinned, then we too, their progeny, have twisted hearts and a proclivity to sin. So greed, greed is the result of a twisted heart bent on intensely finding satisfaction in excess, in excess. And that word's important because when we pray the Lord's Prayer, what do we ask for? And give us just our daily bread. The Israelites in the desert, when, when, when uh, Moses was leading them out of captivity, you remember God provided for them for 40, he provided manna. You remember that like bread from heaven. They couldn't store it for two days. You only had it for one day, your daily bread. So sell everything today and just, you know, wait for tomorrow to see what happens, right? Not, not what he's teaching. But the in excess is the part we need to think about today. All right, so once our needs are met, we have enough. Those two words you're going to hear for the remainder of our time together, needs and enough. When our needs are met, we have enough. Now you say it with me. When my needs are met, then I have enough. All right. We could, we could go ahead and say good day. Have a good day. Let's see what Jesus says. But Jesus warned us about living this way. Greedy. And this is starting in Luke 12, um, verse 15. And then he, then Jesus said, Beware. I'm sure there's an exclamation point in the Greek. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. He says, beware. Not be aware. Be aware. Not like, oh, hey, there's something out there that might get you. No, he says, beware. Or watch out. Take heed. Look out. And guard Against every kind of greed, life is not measured by how much you own. Verse 16, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm, which is fun to say over and over. Fertile farm, fertile farm. <clears throat> Sorry, this is serious. All right. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, self, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear, there, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and my other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take easy, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Wait a minute, what's wrong with that? That sounds great, doesn't it? The Lord blessed him with a great crop that year. So why not tear down the old barns? Get bigger barns so that you can store this stuff up so that I can have it for the future. So then I can rest, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Exactly. That's what I want. Sign me up. That's what every, every good American wants. He got a little retirement nest egg. He worked hard. He got the, you know, the Lord blessed him. So let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, 
but not have a rich relationship to God. It doesn't matter. Jesus says it doesn't matter how much you have if you don't have me. If you don't have a rich relationship, boy, that word's used intentionally, don't you think? Rich and abundant, more than enough. If you don't have a more than enough view of who I am, then yeah, you're going to probably try to store up wealth And it's not going to do you any good. Now, in this section of Scripture, there were thousands of people listening, thousands of people watching. And he says that to kind of say, to make the point, you need me. I'm first. He's talking about greed. Beware to his disciples, to everyone around. Beware. It's a real thing. It affects everybody. But you need a rich relationship with me. And so... Like a good YouTube video, here's three ways to combat greed. Three ways to combat greed. Make sure you click like and subscribe and the bell notification so that you can get more of this content whenever it comes available. Three steps to combat greed. Number one, don't get consumed with stuff. That's easy enough, right? It's the only negative one. The next two are going to be positive. But number one, don't get consumed with stuff. Now, I've got two qualifying questions that use the word enough and need, all right? So here's how you want to, the the matrix in which you're going to look at this and go, uh, how do I know if I'm getting consumed with stuff? Number one, ask, do I have enough? And are my needs met? Not wants, are my needs met? So ask the question of yourself as you do self-assessment on this thing, do I have enough? And are my needs met? All right, so verse 22. This is important. Then, turning to his disciples, right? The first teaching was to everybody because it affects everybody. Now he turns to his disciples. You could put your name in there. If you believe in Jesus, now turning to you. Now turning to us, church. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry. Not not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. If anyone just needed to be encouraged today, you're so much more valuable than birds. (laughs) So verse 25, he says, can, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? the answer is, of course not. Your worry can't add to your life. And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like adding one day, then what's the use of worrying about bigger things? Blackstones and green eggs and a new truck. So look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Solomon, like this, the king, he, he wasn't even dressed as beautiful as, as what God has created with the flowers. And then he says, and if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will, certain, won't he, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? To the disciples, to you and me, he asks in the context of greed, he says, why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things, 
what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. The unbelievers, not the not you disciples, not you Christians, you should not be overwhelmed and, and, and thinking about this all the time. That's the teaching. He says, but your father already knows your wants. No. Your father already knows your needs. He already knows your needs. So don't get consumed with stuff. Jesus is right there in the midst and they're worried about their stuff. We get consumed with consuming. And look, all right, here's the, here's the asterisk that I almost hate to use today, but I probably should so that you guys won't try to get me fired this week. But there's nothing wrong with stuff, okay? There's no sin in being rich. That's, there's just warning after warning after warning. Okay, so I'm, I'm not saying if you are rich, if you have more than enough that you're in sin. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Christ gives a stern warning over and over to beware and have faith. So the conviction for me in this is that I think about stuff a lot. It does consume me. I, I'm, I'm a, a numbers guy. Like I keep our family budget. I help keep the church budget. I'm always thinking about the stuff and the numbers and the stuff and the numbers and do we have enough? Do we have enough? And look, we always have enough. We put our faith in the one who has everything. So we have enough. And then what do we do with it? What, what do we use it for? How do we, you know, how, how, can, my, how can I get away from not, not having enough, thinking, I not have, thinking that I don't have enough? How can I get away from that thinking and, 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 and instead lay it all before Christ and go, you, you're enough. You're enough. So ask the questions today. Do I have enough? Are my needs met? And just know that if the Father knows your needs, then I bet they're being met. And if your needs are being met, then you have enough. Number one, don't be consumed by stuff. Number two, focus on the kingdom. Number two, in combating your greed, focus on the kingdom. Two questions. Is Jesus enough? Can he meet my needs? There's your enough and there's your needs. If you're thinking about what does it mean to focus on the kingdom, ask yourself, is Jesus enough? And then can he meet my needs? Look what Jesus himself taught. Verse 31, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he'll give you everything that you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Seek his kingdom first. First. When you, when you pledge your allegiance to the flag of this great country, you say, one nation under God. We are a great nation, but we are under God. And I don't mean spatially like he's up there, we're down here. Yeah. I mean in the pecking order of what's important. We are one nation under the authority, the reign, the supremacy the preeminence of God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and His Word. 
So seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. And then he says this, so don't be afraid, little flock. (laughs) That's just funny to me. I'm sorry. Don't be afraid, little flock. And he's just saying, I'm your shepherd, and you are my sheep. And don't be afraid, guys. Little flock, so intimate. He just pulls you in. Don't be afraid. Because listen, why? Because it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. He's so happy to meet your needs and well above that. And it has nothing to do with stuff. And we don't have time, but if you wanted to dig into what is the kingdom, what is the kingdom, what is the kingdom, you just, I would encourage you to go read Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is like the sermon where he goes through the Beatitudes, we call them. Blessed is the one who is poor. Blessed are those who mourn. And here's kind of the, the, the kingdom is submit ourselves to King Jesus. We talked about that a minute. Submitting ourselves to King Jesus, that's the kingdom. Bow at his feet. Pledge our allegiance to him and him alone first and foremost. Be faithful to his word and to his church. Live modest lives. Mourn with those who mourn. Be humble. Seek justice. Show mercy. Be pure in heart. Be a peacemaker. Do right regardless of what the world says. That's to seek his kingdom first. And Jesus says all our needs will be met. Not all our wants, but definitely our needs. And it brings him great happiness. So just a few years ago, on staff here, I went through a season of wilderness. And I don't know if you've ever been there as a believer where you're like, my prayers just keep hitting the ceiling. You know, I read this stuff. I don't even get it today. I don't understand. I don't understand what I'm reading. You get frustrated. And through a brotherhood, a discipleship group, guys side by side with me. Me confessing over and over that I feel like I'm in the wilderness and the Lord is leading me through and I can't find anything that seems to be good. I know he's good. I want to sing that song. He is good. He is good. Even when it doesn't feel that way, I want to be able to know that. How do I know that? I was just encouraged to go to to the Psalms and just pray the Psalms. And almost every day there's a Psalm for something. There's a Psalm for that. (laughs) You feeling mad? There's a Psalm for that. You feeling sad? There's a psalm for that. You feeling great today? There's a psalm for that. And through that, I just felt like, you know, when you're in the wilderness, when you're in the desert, and you're, you're parched, and you just want just a tiny little drop of water, anything just to quench your thirst, and he drags you through, leads you rather, through the desert, one drop of goodness at a time, one little God wink, one little God wink here, and he's just, dry, he's just pulling you through the wilderness, never leaving you. But letting you experience it, letting you feel it, letting you get into that place where all you have is Christ. And then he says, come and drink from this living water that never goes dry. Is Jesus enough? If you were to lose everything today, your family, your wealth, your stuff, your 401k, maybe even your freedom. China comes in tomorrow, takes over. You've lost everything. Because that's probably who it would be. Anyway, is Jesus enough? Would he be enough for you? 
Would he be enough for you? Would you be content in one little God wink every now and then until you get to that place where you're like, this is the kingdom, and you drink from that living water? All right, that's number two. Number three, number three in combating greed, and this is an easy one, easy one to say, be generous. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Just give it away. The two questions that have enough and the word need, it is, in the context of am I generous, be generous, the question is, who doesn't have enough? Because now your eyes are off of you. You're being generous. This is, the, this is the antidote to greed, is to be generous. That's all you remember today. Remember that. Whenever you're feeling like you're looking at yourself, you're being greedy, give something away. Just do it. And immediately you're thinking about somebody else. So, who, ask the question of yourself, who doesn't have enough? And then, how can I meet their need? Because when my needs are met, I have enough. So, I want to be generous. I want to think about who doesn't have enough and how can I meet their need? Lastly, here in Scripture, Jesus finishes this section of the teaching in 33. He says to his disciples as he's leaned in and he says, sell your possessions, and give to those in need. And this will store up treasure, treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. No need to worry, right? In verse 34, you all know this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So if you go back to that first question, how do you have that rich relationship with God? You store your treasure in heaven, and then that's where your heart will be. The answer to greed is generosity. Being generous is the way that our hearts get untwisted. And we were created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. We were created to be generous. It's how he designed us. And after the fall is when our hearts became twisted and we began to hoard up stuff and do stuff and hold on to our stuff. So giving stuff away is the antidote to greed. I'll tell you a quick story to end. I know I'm going long. One month ago Thursday, a friend of mine, Darren, called me. No, I'm sorry. We were together. We were sitting together. And he took a phone call and his mom had become sick. And so she went into the hospital a couple of days later, there was news that was not promising. They thought she was getting better. You know, the whole story. Everyone's been here. And she took a turn for the worse. And just in a couple of weeks, she had passed. And all along in those couple of weeks, there were little God winks, right? Like a beautiful story was that my friend Darren, his dad, was, he's a musician. And he's playing, his wife, he's playing his wife's, their song as she passes from this earth onto the heavenlies. Like, that's a beautiful little God wink that they, they, they hold on to. They go, oh, man, what a beautiful moment they had. But in just, just a few hours prior to that, in a moment of clarity where she had clarity, and she said to them, I've got a lot of nice stuff. I've got a mechanical wheelchair that's brand new. I've got a scooter that is brand new. These are such expensive things. And she said, could to Darren, this, this, my friend, she said, can you make sure that someone gets those who need them physically and who need them financially? 
I'm like, man, meet me up at the church. I'll be glad to help you. I don't know how to do that, but we'll figure it out. And within 24 hours, someone was in need, and we were able to give that, those items, some of those items to, to this family, two different families. And so this Thursday night, I'm hanging out with Darren, and he says, hey, uh, did you ever find anybody to give that stuff to? And y'all, it was like all I could do to go, and I'm sitting around with a bunch of dudes, okay? So it was like, there wasn't time for this. And I was like, man, you're not going to believe it, but right at the right time, someone needed it. They couldn't afford it, and it was there for them. And he just like was overcome. The antidote to the greed, and, and I'm not even saying he's greedy, but the antidote to greed every time is giving something away. The blessing that he received by hearing the news that his mom's desire was met, th- all of that charity, all of that generosity just, just bled, bred blessing after blessing. I was blessed. I hope you're blessed today by hearing that. The family was blessed that had it. Him retelling the story to his dad, it was such a blessing. But if you keep something to yourself that's your stuff, there's one blessing. You got it. There's your stuff. But if you sell it or you give it away to someone in need, what happens then? Oh, you're blessed because they, they're blessed. We can tell those stories over and over about how good God is in those moments. And it brings everyone great joy, particularly our Father in heaven. And you have stored up treasure then. And now that's where your heart is. And so just today, there's three ways to overcome greed. Click the like, notification. Well, don't get consumed with stuff. Focus on the kingdom and be generous. And then ask the questions of yourself. Do I have enough? Are my needs met? Is Jesus truly enough? And can he meet my needs? And whoever doesn't have enough, how can I help them? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today that is like a mirror. It shows us how we have become twisted. And Lord, we repent. We, we repent and we say we're sorry. But when we have thought that this is about us and this is about our things and our comforts, Lord, I confess that. And I pray today, knowing that you are enough and knowing in order to have a rich relationship with you, that I've got to take my eyes off of stuff. I've got to give some stuff away. I know this. Lord, thank you for that clarity today. I pray for all of my brothers and sisters in this room who hear the same thing. And I pray now they will leave here and act. And Lord, let us store up our treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And we ask you now to just work in our hearts. And for those of us who don't have that rich relationship with God, I pray, Lord, you continue to stir. Holy Spirit, you work and draw them to the foot of the cross. God, we trust you in all things. In his holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've got a Venmo set up for that Blackstone, so if you guys would just click the link on the screen and...
Well, that's it. You guys have a great week. Come back next week for lust and don't make eye contact. <laughs>